day and welcome to our listeners. My name is Chris Yelland and I am an energy analyst and managing director at EE Business Intelligence. This is the third in a series of four podcasts brought to you by the Revigo Africa Energy Fund to build awareness of new investment opportunities in the renewable energy sector of Sub-Sahara Africa. The Revigo Africa Energy Fund is listing on the JSE this year and is focusing on owning stakes in a portfolio of operating renewable energy assets, initially in South Africa, but then broadening across the Sub-Saharan region. In episode one of this podcast series, we explored the current renewable energy landscape in South Africa, while in episode two, we discussed what it takes to become a successful independent power producer. Today, we are joined by Rayburn Hendricks, the Chief Executive Officer at Revigo Africa Energy Limited, and Michael Misa, Chief Investment Officer at Revigo Fund Managers, to find out where Revigo has come from and where it is going. So, gentlemen, uh, I wonder if I can start by posing the first question uh, to you, Mike. Uh, can you give us a brief history of the Revigo Africa Energy Fund and how it came to be? Morning, Chris. Um, so, maybe we could start just for a little bit of interest in terms of how Revigo as a name, how did that come up? So, when we looked at the uh, at the market, uh, particularly on the renewable energy sector, what is it? What is what is renewable energy do? So we looked at two words and put them together and mixed them up: invigorate and revitalize. But the economy, but the, the environment. We put those two together and we came up with the name Revigo. And obviously, we're looking at sub-Saharan Africa, and we put the African map into the into the logo. That's where Revigo comes from in, in terms of a name. I think that the main driver behind uh, the fund and the fund manager was to look at what's actually happening in the renewable energy sector and where, where is there a gap. And the gap we identified is that there are a lot of uh, developers, equipment suppliers, um, and entrepreneurs who get involved in the sector who aren't necessarily long-term holders of these types of investments. They have a certain skill set, either identified opportunities, they have land, they have a site that's identified, and they're partnered with people who, who want to either construct or operate these assets, but not nationally long-term holders. And then the second thing you look at, particularly in the South African environment, in terms of the procurement rules, is the requirement for have local shareholding. Local shareholding goes to two elements. One is just South African shareholding, and secondly, is black shareholders uh, as defined. And we looked at this and said, well, surely there's a gap here for people who not naturally long-term holders who want to churn their equity and basically take the money out of deal one and put it in deal two, deal three, deal four, and get up that get a, a capital base to keep going. Uh, and then there's also a group of investors who want access to renewable energy but can't play in space with respect to development, can't take that risk, it's long-term. It's a drag on your return, but want to be involved in a sector because they like the yield. We looked at those two things, how we do it, and we came up with Revega, where Revega is as a mandate to invest in operating renewable energy projects um, and has the ability to buy equity from the initial shareholders and can cover both all types of shareholders 
with the international or local and the black shareholding, in the sense the way that Revit is set up in terms of the DDI codes, it, the fund quantifies the black fund given the structure of the fund manager in that it's majority black. And that's a sort of the sort of the history of how Revito came about and why we think it's a great uh, gap in the market in terms of where there are going to be opportunities for investors and developers to do together. Well, thank you for that, uh, Mike. Um, and uh, I'd like to now just uh, move on to Rayburn. Rayburn, can you uh, explain to us the structure of the fund and the fund manager and the role of the different stakeholders, especially highlighting the energy efficiency aspects uh, to this arrangement? So let me explain to you the structure of the company and of the fund and the fund manager. Um, Ruvigo Africa Investments Limited, uh, that'll be the company which will be listed on the JAC. What that company will own is a 99% stake as a limited partner in a fund. That fund will be holding the equity stakes in the various um, renewable energy investments uh, which the fund manager will make. So uh, this is a direct and indirect investment that institutional and uh, retail investors can make into this kind of sector. I'd like to just explain to you, um, so that fund is a, a partnership. It's a limited partnership. The general partner is owned by a fund manager and an investment manager called Rovigo Fund Managers, which manages uh, the fund, all aspects of the fund, from the administration to the, like the, the sourcing of the various in investments, the due diligence and the ongoing management of the different assets. So, so that's the like, arrangement that's there. In terms of who the shareholders of the investment manager are, it's a combination of different shareholders. It's um, Investec, the ED Trust, Designer Investments and H1 Holdings. Collectively, this investment manager um, is majority black owned and managed and controlled. And as such, it's regarded as a BE entity. And by virtue of the BE codes, Roviga itself, as it is um, controlled and managed by a black private equity fund manager, is also regarded as a BE vehicle. Mike Misa has mentioned some of the different investors from which Rivigo intends to buy these equity stakes from. They, they would include into earlier sponsors, um, developers, private equity funds, construction companies, all of which are looking to recycle their capital. But one of those elements is as well existing BE investors in these assets and they are obliged to sell in turn, if they want to, to another qualified B investor. And Revigo, through, this, through, the, um, through the structure that we have uh, developed, would qualify as a B investor. Before I go on, I'd just like to mention who uh, some of the key shareholders in Revigo are. These are the cornerstone shareholders, which is Investec, as 
You've heard from Mike, they were one of the original kind of founders or the founding agencies of Rovigo, uh, but the other two which are important, and you'll see from the pre-listing statement, is uh, UKCI, which is a joint venture between Macquarie Group, which is another like well-established uh, global infrastructure player, um, and the UK uh, government's BASE department, which stands for uh, the Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy. So UKCI is a very important um, cornerstone in Shielder. And the third one is uh, the ESCOM Pension Fund. So um, collectively, those, those three investors are very like, important investors into Rovigo. And lastly, from a governance uh, perspective, I, I'd like to mention the fund manager has a very deep and well-experienced investment committee, which is independent of the fund manager team. And any recommendations which the fund manager makes needs to pass through and be approved by the investment committee. And then lastly, Rovigo itself has an advisory board, uh, which um, is comprised of the independent directors of Rovigo. And the intention of the advisory board is to oversee the relationship between the fund manager and the fund, and particularly any potential conflicts of interest. So that's the different roles of the different players in Rovigo. Yeah, thank you very much for that clear uh, picture of the structure of um, Rovigo and um, its different entities and the different um, people that uh, and, and um, committees that make up the, uh, the fund um, and its oversight uh, in the big scheme of things. Mike, I understand that there are different stages in the investment requirements of an independent power producer. Like, for example, in the early stage, uh, the development stage, where developers are looking for uh, capital, loan capital, and uh, putting in their own shareholder funds, uh, a stage where development takes place, approvals get sought. Then we have the construction phase, and finally, um, the operating phase. So tell me, where does Rovigo fit into the funding cycle for independent power producers? Yeah, so given the, the investment uh, mandate and, and the investment philosophy of Rubigo, Rubigo is predominantly looking at acquiring equity post-construction. So if you look at the, the risk profile of a renewable energy project, the risk profile decreases over time with the highest risk being on a concept phase. I, I have an idea that I'd like to put up a wind or solar farm on this piece of land somewhere in Africa, close to a substation. Taken from there to securing land, securing a contract, bidding a particular South African environment in a bid window, winning, getting to financial close, thereafter managing the construction through sort of a 12 to 24 month period, depending on what the technologies, maybe slightly longer even, and then hitting, hitting the commercial operation date when the PPA would kick in. What we're looking for is the cash flows that start kicking out post-construction uh, when you start generating electricity. So that's the that's where Revita sits in. You can see how it's performing against what its forecasts are. So we look to buy equity post the construction, post a bidding down period where there's not a little bit of operational history, so there's a bit more certainty around the performance of the asset. Uh, bearing in mind, the longer you move away from the COD date, 
the less risk there is because there's more operational history and the higher the price for the assets will go. The closer to COD that you buy, there's slightly more risk compared to the further away there's less risk. So again, as as the fund invests, we look at these uh, transactions, we look at the at the history, what happened during the construction phase, how it's performing, is it hitting its, its full cost with respect to wind and with respect to solar uh, irradiation. So that's the sort of the mindset. And again, the type of investors, they're looking for yields. They need to have some form of certainty around the cash flows and returns these investments are going to set off. Mike, uh, can you tell us where Rovigo fits into the funding cycle for IPPs? Because I understand that there are a number of uh, stages in the funding cycle, uh, from the initial stages uh, of development uh, through to uh, construction, and finally uh, through to operation. Where does Rovigo fit into this cycle? Rovigo is a, a yield co, uh, so it's looking to for a stability around future earnings. That's what a yield co is it's about. It's a, a predictability about about return. So when we look at at Rovigo, there's the life cycle that a project goes through from conceptual phase in terms of securing land, coming up with the idea, looking for the right site, to securing a contractor, so securing an operator, and securing other investors. Now, not all these investors are natural long-term holders of the equity. And Enrigo looks to say, well, what, what do these shareholders want out of it? They took the development risk. They're quite happy to take that risk. But once the asset stabilizes, the potential want to sell the equity and reinvest the equity in the next project or other projects. So Revega looks to buy the assets post-construction. Now, the closer you are to the COD date, the more risk, and the further away you go, the lower the risk. So again, in the South African environment, there's a, a, a requirement that the initial shareholders can sell the equity post three-year COD without the approval of the DOE. You just need to notify them. Within the three-year window, you need to get the approval to actually sell the equity. Revig can look to buy the equity from all the types of shareholders that are invested, including the black shareholders. In that, as we said earlier, black shareholders have to sell to other black shareholders, and Revig qualifies as that under the DDI codes. So I think that's where we look to. We look to buy assets post-construction has a little bit of track record uh, in terms of getting a certain amount of predictability of cash flows. But notwithstanding that, Rubika still has a small element of cash that can invest pre-COD, pre pre the commercial operation date, to take some of that risk to get a yield uplift. Because as I said, the risk profile changes over time. If we want to get the yield for the overall fund up, we should be able to take some construction risk to get the yield up, to actually get the yield to the investors within the fund to a higher level. I think that gives you a sort of a sense of where we as Revigo look to invest, basically post-COD rather than take the development risk. Thank you very much for that, Mike. And now, Rayburn, um, can you give us an idea uh, of the future of Revigo and its holdings? I notice uh, in the documents I have that currently the assets will really be um, renewable energy IPP program assets uh, in South Africa. Uh, but what are your plans for the future and for Sub-Saharan Africa uh, following your listing and even beyond? Hi, Chris. Yes, I can give you some uh, background. So let me give you um, some of the short, medium and long-term 
um, issues which are going to affect uh, Rovigo's uh, future. In the very short term, um, after the listing of Rovigo, uh, the first few things that, that will be done um, is that the listing proceeds will be used to repay the, uh, the bridge uh, facility which Rovigo obtained from Investec in order to acquire the initial portfolio. Uh, the details of that, of both like the bridge loan and the initial portfolio, are all in the um, pre-listing statement. So uh, Rovigo is a bit different to maybe some other investment vehicles in that uh, we have listed or are in- intending to list with an initial portfolio and not cash with intention of finding the assets later. In order to reduce risk to uh, our shareholders, we've identified and we've implemented uh, the acquisition of this initial portfolio. So um, the first order of business is to repay the loan and to um, get on with the business of like managing the fund and the assets. Uh, the fund manager has also been hard at work at looking at subsequent investments. So in the short to medium term, you might find that there are like announcements that Travigo could make um, once it has uh, done its work around um, going through the investment process and the various stages of, um, of acquiring subsequent assets, the intention of Rovigo is to obtain significant scale. So I would think over the, over the life of Rovigo that it is going to be quite inquisitive and there'll be many announcements made over its life about growing and expanding and, and diversifying the portfolio. So part of that um, diversification is a number of things. As you know, diversification is very like important for investors in reducing the risk. So Rovigo will be diversifying across um, technologies, across sponsors, across regions, and so forth. But one of the other ways we'll be looking to diversify over time will be, will be across jurisdictions, at the moment, the initial portfolio is all based in South Africa and under the REAP program. But over time, as the other countries in sub-Saharan Africa also develop their own renewable programs, and as those projects go through their life cycle, they will become investment candidates and targets for a Rovigo. What that would give is that we expect to see that there might be a yield pickup uh, relative to the South African REAP program. We expect to see some diversification across currency, as uh, typically what we've seen, the sub-Saharan ex-South Africa government programs are typically US uh, dollar denominated and not RAND, so that uh, to the extent uh, those assets fall within the Rovigo portfolio, there'd be some diversification across currency. And lastly, there would be some diversification across some of the regulatory aspects. Typically, the sub-Saharan government programs typically include a foreign DFI who gives some sort of credit enhancement to the scheme. Whereas in South African REAP program, uh, the main guarantor is the South African government. So that would be like the benefit of diversification outside of South Africa. Over the long term, we would expect to see um, like that as well. Just staying within South Africa, 
we expect to see quite a lot of unlocked developments in our energy system. As you may be aware, um, like the RP has been adopted by Cabinet. That's um, the Integrated Resource Plan. It's a relatively long-term energy plan, uh, which will be updated. The intention is to update it um, yearly, but the current format of the plan calls for like approximately 20,000 megawatts of renewables, either on the grid or contracted for by um, 2030. That's quite a large multiple relative to the existing 6,000 megawatts uh, which have been contracted uh, under rounds one through four. And so what's going to be needed is that we'll see that there's a lot of capital which is going to be needed from the private sector, particularly on the equity side, in order to bring those um, 20,000 megawatts onto the grid. And the role of La Revigo in that is to assist in that. Where, where we will be playing is by being on the equity side of these projects and what we've seen, that is the area where South African institutional investors have not been playing to the greatest extent. So a vehicle such as Rovigo, assists in uh, the development of like, the future rounds of like, the RRP, and by doing so, it will crowd in the institutional investors who are looking to get direct and indirect exposure to like, the sector, and as such, by, by doing so, um, we will make sure that we help achieve like the aims and the goals of like, the RP. Yeah, thank you, Raven. Um, and uh, to Mike, um, Mike, I can see that initially there's about uh, something more than a billion rand of capital being put in uh, as a start pre-listing. And I'm sure uh, there will be more as part of the listing. Perhaps you can give us an idea of uh, where you see the future growth uh, of this investment fund, where it will reach. Of course, it is largely South African equity-based, uh, South African IPP projects. Certainly, initially, I suppose the returns are going to be in rands mainly, uh, and therefore of main interest to local investors as opposed to foreign investors. Am I right in this, uh, this understanding? I think Chris, as uh, Raymond just articulated, is that the South African renewable market is in a much more advanced stage than the rest of sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, we've had a number of rounds to date, and in terms of the resource plan, there's a significant amount of further investment required in the renewable energy sector. So while it's a sub-Saharan African fund, I think the asset class will be dominantly South African until such time as the rest of Africa uh, starts implementing programs which allows um, for further investment. I think the where where we see the fund going, uh, we starting off uh, at listing uh, between one and two billion rand, which will make it a, a significant investment in the sector. We see that if you just look at the South African market alone, in terms of the quantum of equity required going forward, and also where we see how people can get access to. That we don't see this fund stopping at where we are now. We see this fund going to multiples of the current initial listing size. Uh, as you build up a, a track record and understand of the underlying assets, you know, we will have access to further transactions going forward. And we hope as Revigo Fund manages to grow this to a fund in the tens of billions. Just given the quantum investment that is required in sub-Saharan Africa alone, 
I mean, currently, uh, market information is 600 million people who don't have access to reliable electricity in, in sub-Saharan Africa. So just look at that as a, as a, as a universe of how electrification has to occur across this, the, the region, the quantum investment is going to be in the billions of dollars. Again, as Ray even articulated, is that we want to have a, a mix between RAND and uh, dollar returns. And bear in mind, currently, the fund is a RAND-denominated fund. Um, the investors, international investors who are looking to invest in that will have to take any uh, exchange rate risk into account in terms of the investment uh, mandate. But it's, again, it's a methodology to get access to renewable energy projects in the region uh, through a listed vehicle, which allows you to trade in and out. So uh, pension funds are looking for long-term investment. Uh, again, other investors might look for short-term, but normally you see a lot of these uh, private equity investments are unlisted with their finite life. And what happens at the end of the life, you have to exit uh, and get your cash out. Here, as a listed vehicle, the investors within Revika African Energy Limited, the listed vehicle, can trade in the equity uh, in terms of actually managing their portfolio forward. So I think we want to get to size. Um, size is, uh, is important uh, in the sense that uh, you know, to manage these assets, we'll have to obviously staff up the fund manager as we get more uh, assets under, under our belt. We're starting off uh, with a portfolio of six assets already, and we have to grow that uh, exponentially over the, over the coming years. There will be opportunities, uh, and the funds will be raised through additional equity raises from the market. So those investors who miss out the first time around, we will be back in the market looking for further equity as we grow. Thank you indeed, Mike. Uh, and last question uh, to Rayburn. So, Raven, from what Mike said, it's clear that uh, the kind of people that you're looking to invest in Revigo uh, are not people that are looking for capital growth, but are instead looking for a, a predictable, reliable and steady uh, income and yield uh, from their investments over an extended period of time. So, I suppose pension funds and institutional investors and individual pensioners would be the target. Uh, but can you tell us how tax efficient this kind of investment is so that we get a clearer understanding of this over the life of the investment the vast majority of the cash flows which emanate from the underlying portfolio will be in the form of kind of dividends so in certain instances at the start of the cash flow coming back to investors it might be in the form of shelter loans that tends to be repaid uh, relatively quickly, but over the, the vast majority of the, the life of the investments, the cash flow is in the form of kind of dividends. Um, so in the hands of uh, retail investors and institutional investors, the distributions which Revigo will in turn make onto its um, shareholders, because as uh, we mentioned, uh, the intention is to pass through almost all of the distributions uh, bar some operating costs uh, back to shareholders. So the tax nature which investors will get will be dividends in nature um, and, and, and that'll be the yield. Uh, we expect the yield to also grow over time uh, as uh, the senior debt in the underlying project gets repaid. 
So we do expect over time for this um, yield from the initial portfolio to grow. Uh, but that's the advantage for retail investors and to a certain extent to uh, pension funds as well, that the yield that you get is after tax in nature and, and represents uh, like the net investment result. That is a bit kind of different to, for example, REITs, where the nature of the distributions is effectively rental income and, is, and forms part of the pre-tax income. So that's a significant difference here between Rovigo and REITs, for example. So what do you think is going to be the sort of target after tax rate of investment? In other words, what is the rate of return after tax that you think could be achieved and sustained in the longer term? As mentioned in the pre-listing statement, the fund managers targeting an initial yield of between 9 and 10% as a dividend after tax. Over time, through a variety of like mechanisms, um, through the value that the fund manager believes it can add to the underlying investments, through the optimization of like the costs, through uh, the interaction um, of like of inflation on like the revenues, that it hopes and expects that that yield to grow over time, so at least that the yield to maturity to grow over time, and obviously near the end of the life that the actual dividends will grow to be quite significantly. But the initial starting yield, which we are targeting, is uh, between nine and ten percent, with some growth expected over the long term. Thank you very much, uh, gentlemen, uh, for your input and for your time. Many thanks for listening to this, the third in a series of four podcasts brought to you by the Rivigo Africa Energy Fund. And many thanks to our panel today, Rayburn Hendricks, Chief Executive Officer at Rivigo Africa Energy Limited, and Michael Misa, Chief Investment Officer at Rivigo Fund Managers. Stay tuned for the next podcast on investing in the Rivigo Africa Energy Fund and in yield codes in general and how this compares to other investments. If you missed the first two episodes, you can access them at the Revigo website www.revigoenergy.com or www.revigo.co.za. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Revigo Africa Energy Fund or Revigo Africa Energy Limited and do not constitute financial or other advice. Revigo Fund Managers is an authorized financial services provider.